The Athletic Podcast Network is supported by the Quip Electric Toothbrush, also known as the Tesla of toothbrushes. Most people's oral care habits could be better. We often brush for less than two minutes and use old, worn-out bristles. Quip makes having a fresh, healthy mouth easy and convenient. Their electric toothbrush pulses every 30 seconds, so you clean your mouth evenly, and they deliver brush head refills every three months, like dentists recommend. Get your first refill free at getquip.com slash listen. That's getquip.com slash listen. Oh, they'll fake it. Bates throws it. He's got him. Wide open. He's got Charlie Gant inside the 10. He can walk in. Spartans win. Touchdown, MSU. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap. And the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Green and White Noise, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. My name is Chris Vanini. I'm joined by Colton Pouncey. We are your hosts, and it's time to talk about Michigan State football, the end of a coaching search, and money, money, money. Uh, first off, apologies for the audio on Monday when Nick at Nick Baumgartner and I recorded a quick pod in reaction to Luke Fickle. I was in a car in a parking lot of a hospital. It has been a long week for a lot of people, but appreciate it if you powered through and listened to it. Um, thought we had some good stuff there, but hopefully the audio is all set now. I'm back at home. Colton's back at home. Neither of us got very much sleep last night, working into the early morning hours. Colton, how's it going? Chris, uh, this has been a long time coming. You know, we've, we've both lost sleep. We've tracked flights. I've fallen into the snow. We've analyzed shoes. We've seen coaches tweet Wolf of Wall Street memes to deny interest. This has been a weird coaching search. <laughs> I think that's, a, that's the best way to put it. But uh, Michigan State finally has its guy. Yes. Mel Tucker, head coach of Colorado, former Michigan State graduate assistant, accepted the head coaching job late Tuesday night. For a very steep price, which we will get to in a minute. Uh, so on Sunday, Tucker had tweeted that he appreciated the interest from MSU, but that he was staying at Colorado. This came after Pat Narduzzi, Matt Campbell, Robert Sala had all turned down the job in some form or turned down interest in some form. Then Luke Fickle turned them down on Monday morning, and it seemed like things might go into panic mode. Oh yeah. You had a you had a trustee going on the radio to defend the trustees and said that they're not involved, but also basically calling Luke Fickle a waffling flake. <laughs> and it was things looked real uh real bad for Michigan State. And then the basketball team beats Illinois on a last second putback on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And very shortly after that the new the news breaks. But let's back up earlier Tuesday. So Tuesday morning, I got a text from our colleague, Nicole Auerbach, who was in conversation with another athletic writer and was told that Mel Tucker was back in the mix, that MSU was making a hard push at him. Uh, But not long after that, he went on the radio (laughs) 
I think multiple times and reiterated basically that he was staying at Colorado. Even late Tuesday, he was doing fundraising for Colorado. And yet, Tuesday night, he accepts a job. So what happened, uh, per Bruce Feldman, as well as Nicole, MSU went back to Tucker, um, I guess starting Monday probably, and started to really back up the Brinks truck, making an offer in the end that he couldn't refuse. And uh, Bruce reported that he has been very open and transparent with the people of Colorado about this. So, well, certain people of Colorado. His AD, Rick George, appeared to be in the know on all of this. Still, it's a strange look after everything he had done earlier in the week. Uh, you and I got word late Tuesday night that Bruce had been working on this story Tuesday and was getting ready to publish it, and then he did Tuesday night. Uh, what were you doing when you found out? Um, well, you know, I, I definitely thought it was going to be a normal night there for a while. So I was just kind of chilling on my couch, you know, reading some stories. I actually texted you about Tucker just because I was curious to get your thoughts. And, you know, I had said on the radio, Jack Elbing show early in the day that if I'm MSU, I'm marching right back to Tucker, asking him what he wants for the job and then re-engaging in those conversations. And, um, so I just texted you. I was like, what are your thoughts on this? And, uh. We were talking for a little bit, and that's when Bruce kind of reached out and <laughs> kind of heard the news that that might might be uh, set to break there, and we were kind of preparing for that, and uh, things kind of went from there. But I definitely thought it was going to be a wild night. I thought if, if this coaching search was going to pick up again, it probably wouldn't be until the next day, but I expected things to pick up rather quickly. I didn't think it was going to be as soon as last night, but that's what happened. The news was out there. Uh, Bruce got that story. He had it ready to go, and uh, kind of went from there. Yeah, I thought the biggest – story on MSU Twitter uh, Tuesday night was going to be the debate of whether or not Cassius Winston passed an errant shot off the backboard <laughs> for a put back dunk. Yeah. Which I thought was I thought was ridiculous and what was you when you saw I was that right. Yeah. So I thought it was a pass on second glance, but it also looked like he was maybe you know, if he, he says that it was actually a layup, but I thought he put well, some it, more it, English on it. It, it, it was just get the ball up there for a possible rebound because he had three guys coming at him. I mean, Tillman was behind the free throw line when he put it up. There was no way that was a planned pass, but yeah. it all worked out. Yeah. MSU basketball ended a three-game losing streak, and then the Mel Tucker juice comes down. So suddenly it, turns into, suddenly it turns into an incredible night for Michigan State fans who had been really down and out after the previous two days. Um, so let's get into Mel Tucker here. Colton, you stayed up like literally all night to write about him and why he's a fit. Mm -hmm. um, our Max Olson actually talked with him last summer at Pac-12 Media Days about Michigan State, mm -hmm. and you included that in your story. So so, so who is Mel Tucker, and, and why is he a fit? Yeah, Mel Tucker is an Ohio native, and I think it's important to, to mention that because we've talked about Michigan State's recruiting and how important Ohio is to that. So this guy that grew up in Cleveland, uh, played college football at the University of Wisconsin, um, you know, Nick Saban, when he was at Toledo, actually recruited uh, Mel Tucker as a defensive back. Didn't land him, obviously, but those two kept in touch. Um, so when Tucker's playing days came to an end, he was trying to figure out his next moves. Uh, he actually reached out to Saban and, and asked for some sort of coaching role, which that's that's a big thing to do. You don't you, you don't usually just call Nick Saban and ask for a job. I don't think it usually works like that. But, you know, Saban thought that he was a good kid and brought him in as a, a graduate assistant. At Michigan State, and that was 1997 and 1998. Um, so yeah, I, you know, Max Olson actually slacked me last night, helped me out a lot because he mentioned that he 
talked to Tucker last summer just about uh, you know his his early coaching career and in, in those days at Michigan State. So I had a great quote in there about Tucker talking about how important it was to learn from those guys like Saban and Mark D'Antonio was the DB's coach on that staff and uh, really stacked staff all around when you look back at some of the guys. Oh, yeah. Um, Todd Grantham, Dean Pease. Nick Saban, uh, turns out, has a good eye for coaches. Yeah, how about that? Uh, Adam Gase was like a student assistant that year. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. So um, I, I think uh, I think Josh McDaniels. No, Josh McDaniels think was later. McDaniels yeah, came Adam a Gase. year after. Yeah, one year yeah, after. Gase was there as like a student assistant, yeah. Yeah, so he got to learn with that group of guys. And, uh, you know, from there he, you know, was at LSU for a year when Saban went there and then bounced around a little bit. He went to... Ohio State, when D'Antonio became the defensive coordinator, he brought him in as his DB's coach. Those two won a national championship in 2002. Um, so you see these ties and, and these seeds starting to be planted early on. And, uh, you know, for a guy like, like Tucker, that was essential to his development as a coach early on back in those days. And I think he attributes a lot of that to Michigan State and Nick Saban and Mark D'Antonio. So I think that was the obvious fit right there. Um, you know, after Ohio State, he bounced around the NFL for a couple of years. He was defensive coordinator with three different NFL teams. Uh, I probably knew him most because I grew up a Bears fan and he didn't have a great couple of years with the Bears. Those Mark Trestman years, I think they were like 31st in in uh, scoring defense like two years in a row. It was not great. But, um, you know, he returned to college back in 2015, teamed up with Saban again. And if Nick Saban hires you three times, I, I, I think you know what you're doing. <laughs> that That's a stamp of approval. Yeah, so you know it was it was Michigan State, it was LSU, and then Alabama, and he was the DBs coach for Nick Saban in 2015. That was the year they beat MSU in the College Football Playoff. Ended up winning the national championship that year. He goes on to go to Georgia with Kirby Smart for three years, defensive coordinator. Has some success there. Um, they lose a national championship to Alabama to his overtime pass, and then he ends up in Colorado for a year. And this was just a year ago that he took that job. Um, but it seemed like it was a long time coming. A lot of people were excited about that fit a year ago. Um, but it was short lived as, as we now know. Yeah. And, um, by the way, if you want to read Colton's story or Bruce's story that broke the news or my breakdown of the Colorado job and who they could hire next, uh, subscribe to the athletic. If you have not, uh, you can go to the slash green and white noise to get 40% off subscription of about three bucks a month highly recommend you do that and uh yeah T tucker was a i think he was a finalist when jeremy pruitt got the tennessee job uh so it, it, he was he was gonna get a head coaching job at some point and you know i actually didn't include him on my initial list for michigan state just because i didn't think he was gonna leave after one year mm -hmm. at colorado and he initially turned down the interest basically and this only ended up happening because MSU paid big. And let's talk about that. So Bruce reports Michigan State is expected to double his $2.7 million salary and perhaps more than double his $3.15 million assistance salary pool, plus increases to the strength and conditioning budget. That is a lot. That is Michigan money. That is Ohio State money. That is money we weren't sure MSU had. Yeah. Uh, but they had to do it because they had absolutely no leverage and they were in a bind. They needed somebody. They they could not go with an interim hire. Nick and I talked about that earlier this week, but 
whether it was for recruiting purposes or uh, staff on the field purposes or you never know what's going to come down if, if there's more Curtis Blackwell stuff to come out. We don't know. Uh, it was it was going to set the program back if they went for an interim hire. They had to get somebody. And, yeah, so if they're paying Tucker more than $5 million, that's top That's top 20 in the country. I mean, that's a, probably a little bit more than D'Antoni was making. Mm-hmm. If they're paying more than $6 million in – Assistant salaries, that's more than Michigan, and Michigan is near the top of the country in that. That that is an underrated part right there, that that assistant salary pool. And it'll be really interesting to see what kind of uh names that they get. Because that 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 was a big thing we talked about with Mark D'Antonio was he didn't change up assistance. He had the same guys. MSU was like middle of the pack in the Big Ten when it came to assistant salaries. Pat Narduzzi made a million dollars, but nobody else was ever close to that. Um, I'm looking up what what Michigan State was last year. They were 4.9 million. So yeah, this is a very very big increase in assistant salary pool. So they're paying a lot, and they had to do it because this is what they where they were stuck with. Yeah, and you know when they, when they decided to circle back to Tucker, I, I think knowing that he was probably the number two option here, or at least not the number one with Luke Fickle around. Um, I think they had to come back to him with a strong offer. You know, you talk about the fact that he's only been at Colorado for a year, the fact that he'd already mentioned that he was returning to Colorado. You kind of had to make him an offer that he couldn't refuse, and this certainly fits that description. Um, you know, to double his salary, double the, the, the assistant pool, I think that was the biggest thing here for when you're looking at it from a glance because Michigan State, you're right, like they are approaching that top 10 assistant pool level which was something that I don't really, I didn't really expect them to do. I didn't know if they can get there, and they certainly got there. Um, so now he's going to be able to have some money. I think that might have been an issue at Colorado that he didn't have a ton of resources there. But Michigan State is providing him with the tools to build a successful program. You talk about the strength and conditioning budget increase and obviously the, the increase for himself. I think that that's all huge. And, you know, money, pe- people don't like to talk about how money is involved, I guess, but it definitely played a factor in this role and um, it, it helped land Tucker at Michigan state for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, Tucker is taking some flack for leaving after one year for saying he was staying multiple times and still leaving kids have signed. The recruiting classes are done and yeah, it's, it's a real tough spot for those kids at Colorado. We, we you look at the money involved here on the same day that the NCAA is is speaking in front of Congress about name, image, and likeness. Like, yeah, everybody, every, you, you see where the money is with coaching salaries and where things go. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous that players only get a teeny tiny part of, of that pie. Uh, and for good reason. But if you're Mel Tucker, you know, to literally double what you make to go somewhere else, I, I can't, not many people would, would turn that down. And it makes sense from, from, from his perspective, money talks. This also raised a question I had just to myself, mm-hmm. which is, I know technically they didn't offer Luke Fickle the job. They always say, oh, we, we only offered the guy who took it. Everybody says it. It's nonsense. It was Fickle's job if he wanted it. Did Fickle have a $6 million salary in front of him or $6 million for assistant coaches? And did he still turn that down? Because if he did. That's huge. Uh, Wow, that's that's a lot. We don't know how far things. We don't know where they went, but 
it was Vickle's job if he wanted. That was pretty clear to everybody. Mm. Um, so for Tucker to get what he got was um, notable as well. So let's talk about the MSU administration, Bill Beekman. Um, he was getting a lot of flack for how things had played out over the over the week. Uh Planes getting tracked, stuff being public, being publicly turned down, being turned down by a group of five coach, um, a, a trustee going on the radio again <laughs> and and uh, defending the trustees while also saying he was out of the loop and also criticizing a coach. Uh, but I, I think you have to credit Bill Beekman here. He made it work. Um, it took a ridiculous amount of money to do it, and I think you also have to credit whoever – controls that side of things and raises the money uh but to to hire a sitting power five head coach at this time of year um is is a really good job will it work out we don't know you you never know but they had no choice i i still think luke fickle was maybe a better fit but maybe that wouldn't have worked you you never know what's going to work and what's not going to work and the bottom line is they, they hired a power five head coach they paid up to get him and uh I think MSU couldn't ask for more considering where things were. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Bill Beekman checked off essentially every box that he wanted to check off when he first spoke on, on Tuesday about what he wanted in the next coach. And he said he wanted someone with Big Ten ties and ties to the Midwest. Check. Said he wanted some guy with, you know, ties to Michigan State possibly. He's got that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think as you go through the list, you, you know, you talk about Tucker's ability to recruit, um, you know, his background with Nick Saban. I'm, I'm sure that played a factor here. Um, it, at, at this point in the coaching search, it could have taken a, a turn for the worse. And I know a lot of people weren't excited about some of the other names being discussed out there. Um, normally, I don't think you need to win social media when you have a coaching hire. You know, it's more important to find the best coach and someone that can lead you to some wins. But I, I do think it was, it was important here. You know, when you look at the optics of Bill Beekman and, you know, this is his first time doing this. A lot is on the line here. Um, maybe how he's defined and how he's viewed going forward, that was on the line here. MSU fans were apathetic. They were losing interest. Um, the last couple of years have kind of sucked the life out of this program and the fan base. So I think out of, out, of, out of everything that happened here, you know, to come out of this with a Mel Tucker and a guy, like you mentioned, at a Power 5 school, went from one to another. You had to pay up to get him, but you, you got it done. I think that's the most important thing. And uh, he's a guy that's going to excite the fan base here. It seems like people are pretty excited on social media, on Twitter and everything. So I, I think it's, all things considered, probably the best move they could have made at this point. Yeah, this is absolutely a hire that will excite the fan base. Um, you know, it was it was a day ago people were talking about, you know, and, and even I had kind of talked about on Twitter a little bit, but uh Bill Beekman as a placeholder AD maybe, or you had Mike Valeni telling them to shoot the board of trustees into the sun, <laughs> um, stuff like that. And uh, it was, it was all over the place. And, and uh, yeah, it, the, the most important job, if we're being honest about how things work, the most important job for an athletic director is the football coach hire. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the move that makes all the money in the school, whether or not it happens Football being successful raises uh, applications to the school. Everything comes through football. Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe, maybe you think college sports are, are way out of whack relative to where they should be, and that's completely fair. But the reality of the situation right now is that football is the driving force of, of everything for major schools. 
and this is a hire that that could send MSU back in the right direction. Now, MSU is not back by any means. This is things have been trending downward already. The 2020 season is probably going to be a really tough one. It's one of the toughest schedules in the country. They have to replace everything, all the star power on both sides of the ball. Uh, there were concerns from candidates about potential NCAA violations or, or Luke Fickle and the, the campus culture stuff. And you, you never know where this Curtis Blackwell lawsuit is going to turn next. But I, I think this hire generally stops the bleeding for now. And MSU can finally start to look forward and move forward into whatever this new era of football is. And that was, I think, one of the most important things uh, going on. Um, any other final thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, just thinking back to February 4th when D'Antonio retired, um, you know, he said that guys are going to crawl here, they're going to run here and everything. I don't, I don't know if that necessarily happened throughout this process. but It, it, it did not happen. It did not it, happen. It did, it did. I think that's safe to say. But MSU salvaged this and, and, they, and made the best of a bad situation. You know, a legendary coach retiring a day before signing day. <laughs> like, I, I think if you were to if you were to tell MSU fans at the beginning of the search that you come out with a coach like Mel Tucker, I think they'd be pretty satisfied with that, even though it's not Luke Fickle. It's not the guy that a lot of people want to see. Mel Tucker's a good coach. Um, now, he has he has MSU surrounding him with some some advantages here, some resources. You know, they they've given him money for his coaching staff. They've given him, you know, double his salary and you know some new resources here. He's going to have to kind of make the best of that. And um, again, it's not going to be easy. It's probably not going to happen overnight. People will have to be patient. But you know, he has some tools to to win in the Big Ten again. And you know, based on what we've seen the last couple of years and the decline in recruiting and interest and everything and the fact that MSU just wasn't competitive in games, you know, I think Tucker has what it takes to kind of turn things around. We're going to have to see, but uh, he's, I think, he, I think he's got some uh, tools at his disposal now. Yeah, and and, and with the timing, um, uh, another reason MSU couldn't have gone down the interim route, and something even D'Antonio mentioned at the press conference was that if D'Antonio had stepped down at the end of next year, it would have basically. Had resulted in a very diff, uh, poor recruiting class again. By doing it this way, this gives Tucker the entire year to make rela- make uh, relationships where he can recruit in the Midwest and uh, build his own class from scratch. There, there's nobody in the class right now, so th- this will be a complete. His first recruiting class will be a full class, which is uh, a, a good situation to be in compared to uh, maybe something else. Now, you know. Still think D'Antonio probably should have stepped down at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, would have made everything a lot easier for everybody involved. Uh, but all things considered, given the bad situation that they were put in, I think you couldn't ask for much more uh, where they're at. And so now we wait for the Tucker press conference. Later today, Wednesday, they'll be officially approve it for the Board of Trustees. And things will go from there. We'll get Tucker in front of us at a press conference and – uh, see how things go, see what the reaction is everywhere else, and Michigan State will move on to its new chapter finally. Absolutely. It's about time. So that'll do it here. We'll be back probably later this week after that press conference. Um, please rate, review, subscribe, tell people about the podcast, give us feedback on Twitter. We always read that stuff and appreciate it. So for Colton Pouncey, I am Chris Vanini. 
Thanks to our producer, Mike Zimmerman. Shout out to the road dog, Jesse James, who I forgot to do on Monday. Oh, no. And, and, uh, and we will see you on the other side. <laughs>